Good morning, LMCC. Good morning to those of you online. Uh, my name is Logan. I'm the lead pastor here at LMCC. Um, this morning, we have the privilege of hearing from Jasmine Wood. God has a word. He's going to speak through her. But before I read the scripture, I want to encourage you to prepare to receive his word. Because the scriptures say that his word is like a seed when planted in good soil, yields fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And this is a message about hope. And so I want you to be prepared to receive this so that we can multiply hope in a world that's desperately in need of it. So let's hear God's word in Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This is God's word. Thank you. Hope is on the way. Hope is on the way. It's not me, thank God, but real hope is on the way. While I get this set up, let me just say good morning. Good morning to the saints in Corinth, Ephesus, all five boroughs of New York, Los Angeles, Virginia. We see you out there. Hi. I like to know who I'm talking to. Okay, hi. We're talking about hope this morning. I got this topic the same way that I always get my topic, which is to say, I prayed to the Lord, I asked him, what do you want me to say to this group of people? What do you want me to say today? And I heard him say hope, um, almost immediately. And it doesn't always work out that way, but this time it did, I heard hope very clearly. And I immediately rolled my eyes and I was like, no, 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 no. I, I mean, hope, you know, is kind of, it's a little light. It can feel a little trite. This was like pre-election also. It just felt very silly and it didn't feel very relevant. But um, I just tucked it away in the back of my head and, and went on about my business. And so a few weeks after that, I had brunch with a few women from this church. And as we were going around and kind of giving our life updates, um, I told the group that I was preaching uh, at the very end of November and that I was not excited about my topic and the topic was hope and I was really struggling with the sermon. And so um, Hannah Robinette, um, she looked at us and she said, well, when does Advent start? And I was like, what, are you asking me? I, I don't know when Advent starts. I don't know nothing about Advent at all except that you get a calendar and some chocolate if you're good and your grandmother calls you and lets you have some at the end of dinner. Um, I hope that's not gonna be on the minister's test because I don't know anything about Advent at all. And she started talking about 
Advent, and as she started to talk about it, she got me excited about it because it's a season um, where you're supposed to be excited. It is a season of expectation. It's a season of anticipating, knowing something good is coming. Hope is on the way. Hope is on the way. Hope is on the way. Every single day of this season, this month leading up to Christmas, you and I are supposed to be waking up knowing something good is on the way. Something is coming. Something is coming. Something is coming. And as she continued to talk about it, um, because no one in the group was really that familiar with it, she started talking about the, you know, the, the, the power of the Advent wreath and how traditionally you put these uh, four large candles around the wreath and you light one candle on each Sunday leading up to Christmas. And she even mentioned actually that Courtney, our children's minister, last year, she gave the parents Advent wreaths for your kids to light at night every Sunday. And Hannah said that her family had, you know, they lit their wreath every Sunday. And I asked someone else in the group, I said, well, what did you do with your Advent wreaths? And she said, I threw ours in the trash because I didn't want all that stuff coming in my house. And I was like, I see you, I see you. Um, But so yeah, so you light one candle each Sunday. So Hannah, at this point, she's like looking on her phone to get more information about it, and she got real quiet, and she said, I was right. She said, Advent starts on November 29th. She said, that's the day you're preaching, Jasmine, and the first candle that night is hope. That's what it symbolizes. And I said, well, (laughs) Jesus, Jesus? Do you know what you're doing or do you know what you're doing? Let me go write my sermon and stop playing games because you obviously have a plan and something that you want to say. So here we go, hope. Get your pens ready. We're focusing on hope because not only is it my assignment, but I have come to believe that it is the thing that is going to carry you through the rest of the year and it is what we all desperately need right now. Now, you are smart people, okay? I'm especially talking to those of you who are watching at home. You're smart people, you're able to multitask. You know that if I come up here and I say we're talking about hope, you know, obviously, I'm going to tell you that our hope has to be in Jesus Christ, right? You, you know that. You, this being church, that is obviously what I have to say. We can even go to the word. First Timothy 1 and 1 says, our hope has to be in Jesus Christ. I didn't really go to the word because my baby tore so many pages out of this Bible and it would just be a complete mess. But that's what it says in First Timothy 1 and 1. Jesus Christ is our hope. So that's obvious. That's easy. You knew that that's where I was going to get, but why? Why, 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 why? Why, Eric? Why does our hope have to be in Jesus Christ? If you're looking for the mental workout this morning, your queen's gambit opening and want to figure out how to get your rook to be four, that's what we're driving to this morning, smart people. Why does our hope have to be in Christ? And it matters because hope is important. 
It is wildly important. Hope affects the way that you live and it affects the way that the people around you are living. If you have ever heard a classic sermon on hope, you've probably heard this example used or this example given. Let's say that you have two people, I'm gonna say two men just to make it simple. Let's say that you have two men and they both have the same tedious and mundane job. Their job is to go to a windowless room every day, seven days a week, and for 12 hours a day, they flip a light switch on and off. This is all they do, this is their job, 12 hours a day. Both of them get up and ride the subway at 5 a.m. in the freezing cold, go do this job for 12 hours, do the same commute in reverse, and get up and do it all over again the very next day, 12 hours a day. But to one of those people, you have promised $365 at the end of a year, $1 a day, 12 hours a day. And to the other person, you've promised, let's say, $300,000 at the end of the year. One of those people gets up in the morning and says, I don't, I don't know if I can keep doing this. This is terrible. And the other person, when asked, is like, you know what, this is not that bad. I mean, you know, it's not the most exciting work, but it's a good workout for my wrist and I can think about things. And if their hope is in money, if their certainty is in money, they have two very different outlooks on this situation. They have two very different outlooks for what their lives are going to look like at the end of a year. One person is dreaming about all of these different possibilities. Or put another way, what they believe their future holds is affecting their present. What you believe your future holds is affecting your present. It's so simple, I'm gonna say it one more time because it's, it's, it's simple so it's easy to just walk over. What you believe is going to happen to you in the future is affecting the decisions you're making now. You think you're going to college in however many years. You're getting too old too fast, I can't keep up with it, so I don't wanna guess how many years. You're making decisions based on that. You're acting a certain way based on that. Your parents are doing certain things based on that. This idea that in the future, that's what's gonna to happen to you. If you're discouraged about your job prospects, Trust and believe, that's affecting what you're doing in your present. It's affecting the way you spend your money. It affects which apartments you look at. Or let's use something that's not necessarily a negative. Let's use something that's very common, um, very relevant to a lot of us. How many of you know someone, or maybe it's you yourself, where you're saying, I don't, I don't have to be back in my office until May of 2021. I don't have to be back in the office until the end of the semester. Or my kids, my kids, my kids are gonna be remote until the end of the year anyway, so we're just gonna go spend time in Florida. We're gonna be with my parents in Chicago because I don't have to do this. Making decisions based on what's going to happen or what's not going to happen in the future. What is your hope based on? 
It's one of these questions I want you to be thinking about for the rest of today. What is your hope based on? I know this is going to sound naive, but honestly, I, I really don't remember a time in my life where I have found people to be as mean and as mad as they are today. Very mean, um, very quick to get in your face, very quick to let you know what it is or what it's not gonna be. It's like they've been practicing their talking points in the bathroom all morning. They are ready. Um, assertive, aggressive, snarky. And you see people more and more and more. I'm about to get emotional, but I'm not gonna do it. You see people, really. You see that they're so broken and shattered and in a lot of cases, I think rightfully angry, but just really devastated underneath it. And it's because they have such little hope. They don't have any hope. How, how can you be frustrated with them? They have no hope. Think about that. You're walking around day after day, flipping a light switch on and off for 12 hours. You don't believe in God. You don't believe that God loves you. You don't believe that there's something better to come. You think that this is all there is. You have a bad hand of cards. You don't think that things can get any better. This is just what it is. They have no hope. It's tragic. And then the other problem that we see is we see hope being placed into the wrong things over and over and over again. And then people being so disappointed as a result of that. I was talking to my mother-in-law on the phone um, a couple of days ago, and I was you know, kind of re reviewing the sermon with her, and I was like, at this point in the sermon, I'm gonna say something so politically spicy, it's gonna make tears run from their eyes. And she was like, oh God, please don't. You just got this job. Christmas is coming. Please, don't ruin this, Jasmine, don't do it. And um, to honor her and to honor my grandmother-in-law, whose name is Cleopatra, so for that reason alone, I just do whatever she says. You know, let me tell you something. If you ever marry into a family and there's an 89-year-old black woman named Cleopatra, just know you're going for a ride every day. Um, so I'm not going to say anything politically spicy. Um, I'm just going to say that placing our hope on the wrong people, places, or things, placing our hope on the wrong people, places, and things when we should be looking to God. One day we're gonna get it right. One day we're gonna get it right. You and I are supposed to be different. We are supposed to know that our hope rests in something else outside of this. We are supposed to know that even in the midst of things being their absolute worst, my marriage is at its absolute worst. My, I just can't get, even in the midst of that, 
there is hope. It is already coming to the world and it is coming again. If your hope is not in Christ, if it's in people, places, or things, your problems will remain problems. They will only be problems. They will be these things that suck the life and the energy out of you. But when our hope is in Christ, then, don't start clapping yet, then, then our problems are one part of an equation that is working for our benefit. Please keep that visual in mind. Our problems are one part You know, one plus one equals two. Our problems are one part of an equation that is working for our benefit. Okay, let's go to scripture. Hit me, Shay. Does everybody know Shay? Say hi, Shay. (laughs) Okay, we're gonna look at Romans 5, one through five, but I wanna do this in two parts. It's a two-step this morning. First, we're gonna look at verses one through two, and then we're gonna look at verses three through five. Okay, you heard it in the New Living Translation. There it is on your screen. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved, hit me Shay, privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I love the New Living Translation, makes it so clear and beautiful. But now actually I want to look at the same scripture in the ESV, the English Standard Version, because I think it's a little bit clearer to pull out the three benefits of justification, which is the first part of this math equation we're looking at this morning. Okay. Um, it says we're going to get three things out of justification. One, we get, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Two, we're going to get access into grace. And then three, we're going to get hope of the glory of God. Okay, very quickly, promise not to bore you, but let's get a little nerdy and a little technical because this is what it all stands on. What are we talking about when we say justification? Justification, the, the idea, the reality that you and I have been made righteous with God. We are good with God. You know how um, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., it was Roy Jones Jr., right? Thank you. You know how like before the fight they like they stand and they like grimace at each other and then it's it's very awkward to me very awkward I would not be good at that at all um, that's kind of what it used to be like with us and God um, but he was always going to win let's be clear about that but now it's not like that anymore we have this peace with him. We have no issues with him. It is like you were accused of a crime and now you've been acquitted and you get to walk around confidently in his presence knowing that. Just peace and a loving relationship. Okay, great. So as a result of that, Paul is saying here, we get three things from that. First, we get peace with God. Again, no awkwardness, no wrath, 
I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I'm just looking over at you. And I was thinking to myself, don't you remember that feeling, that terrible feeling of um, you feeling like God is always mad at you? You don't even have to like shake your head, but I am talking to you. It's a terrible feeling when you're, when you're dodging him, like dodging this omnipotent, omnipotent presence and it, he's everywhere. Um, we don't have that anymore. That's a lie. That's condemnation. That's not how God wants to relate to you any longer. Okay. Second, Paul says, we get access to grace. Meaning that at all times, at all times, you have access to this empowering power. Bethany's in the back. She's a, a, a YouTuber and she does these really great reviews on books. Bethany, at all times, you have this power on you to do what you do, to make these videos, to reach youth, to instruct us on what we should be reading because you know we're not reading the right stuff. You have access into that grace. And then third, we have hope of the glory of God. We have hope of something to look forward to. When we say hope of the glory of God in English, the way that we use hope, it's a little light. It's a, it's a little wishy. It's more like a wish. I hope... Um, Valerie, I hope you're feeling better. Uh, me, with every single email I write. I hope this note finds you well. Um, I, 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 hope, I hope you're able to make it. I, I hope it doesn't rain. You know, there's, this is, this is it. the way we use hope. It's like we turn around and we throw the ball over our shoulders and we, we just have to hope it makes it into the hoop, you know? There's nothing we can do with it, but just hope. But biblical hope, turn my volume down, biblical hope leans a lot closer to certainty. Biblical hope is not, oh, I hope Gary Struggs does her backflips and sticks the landing and then her coach picks her up. Biblical hope is more certain. It's based on what you know. It's rooted and it's grounded in something else. So to put all of that together, we get peace with God. Whew. It's okay. It's okay. I know I'm still messing up. It's okay. I get peace with God. Then we get access into grace. We're aware of his grace. And when you have that, how could you not know that there's hope of the glory of God? How could you not know that there's a good God? When you feel him working in your life, when you feel him giving you the little bit of strength that you need to get here, when you feel him on your walk to church and you start bawling and crying and you don't know how or why or what's going on with you, when you feel all of that, you begin to know and now you're creeping into hope, real hope. I have hope of the glory of God because I've become convinced 
that this good God has more in store for me. We're almost done. Let's go to verse three. Shay, hit me, please. He says, not only that, oh my God. Don't you know when you see not only that, that's the biblical version of, but wait, there's more. (laughs) Not only that, he says. Do y'all realize when we talk about Paul, I was about to lean on this, but this thing will break. Do y'all realize when we're talking about Paul, we're talking about Saul? We're, talk, we're, still, we're, still talk, we're still talking about, we're still listening to the man that was devoted and dedicated to killing Christians. He hated them. This was his job. He had an encounter with Jesus Christ in the middle of a road, lost his sight, probably lost his mind a little bit too, but then got both of them restored better than they had ever been before. And now he's on this mission to go out and tell every single person that he meets about Jesus Christ. And then he writes his book and now we're still using it. Who else but Jesus could do that? Let's get back to the scripture. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. If I don't stop here and address this, I'm going to lose a lot of people because this is when I'm about to make some people mad. How could you say something like we rejoice in our sufferings and then skip over that and not talk about that, the reality of what that is or what that means for people? Um. I realize how easy it is to be skeptical right now and laugh at this idea of hope and I'm sure that there is someone at home who's saying, who cares? What difference does any of this make? But let me tell you something, Um, you're wrong. It makes all the difference, hope makes all the difference to somebody who is sitting at home suffering right now, to someone who's hurting. It makes all the difference to someone who is looking for a solution that does not come in a bag or a bottle or a needle. It makes a difference to someone who has lost a child or has lost a parent too soon just as things were starting to get good and now they're taken from you. Hope makes a difference to people who have gone through recent breakups, who are lonely. Hope makes a huge difference when you are at your lowest place. I'm gonna tell you very quickly about my lowest place this year. Um... As a lot of you know, I had a daughter in January and um, we had this baby after all of these years of trying. I've talked about this before. I did all the things, IUI, IVF, took all the pills, the injections, email me, we can talk about it. I have great doctors, great. Doctors were very clear. There is no hope of you having a baby without some type of medical uh, intervention. It just is not gonna happen. And then God delivered a miracle and we were able to naturally conceive after almost five years. So we delivered this baby in January, great. I thought you only get one miracle 
in a lifetime. Turns out that's not true. Because this summer, my husband and I found out that we were expecting another baby. The first baby was only four or five months old, and then now a second baby on the way. So when the initial shock, you know, wore off, we took like a week or two weeks, um, we were just floored and we were like, oh my gosh, you know, um, and we started to get excited and, you know, I started putting things away and getting new things and I was going to my doctor's appointments regularly and, you know, getting my little sonogram printout, you know, and then you show the grandparents and, you know, everybody's excited and pretends that they know where the baby is, but nobody really knows where the baby is. <laughs> and um, I got to the three-month mark, you know, great. And then I went to the doctor one day, totally normal stuff, normal stuff. Was in the middle of my exam, and suddenly the technician, she went really quiet. Like, she was silent. And I knew something was very wrong. And I kept asking her, is everything okay? Is everything okay? And she wasn't really answering me, kind of giving me one word answers. And suddenly she said, she like turned, turned the screen off and she was like, okay, um, well, you can get dressed now and then um, the doctor will come in and talk to you. And you know that that's never a good sign. And so I said, okay. I said, tell her, you know, she can take her time. And I laid there on the table and I just immediately started to pray. It's weird because I could feel like both my own desperation as I started to pray. You know, and I, and I you know, and, and, and at these points, your prayers are never that eloquent. They're always just right to what you need. And I kept saying, Jesus, you got up out of the grave. Jesus, you got up out of the grave. So I know you can save this baby, please, please, please. But I could also feel this like peace starting to like invade, you know, in my, in my soul and in my spirit. Um, and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Um, but it was not his will for this baby to live. So we lost the baby. And um, if you've ever been through that, you know there are weeks and weeks of hardship to come after that. Um, and I was crushed. Because, you know, I had reached the point in the pregnancy where your body starts to change and you're getting so excited and it feels real and you're going to have this person join your family. And, you know, to lose the baby too at like what they call like, you know, the safe stage, it was um, so hard. But we rejoice in our sufferings. And I'm not even talking to you right now. I'm saying that to me. But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. 
we rejoice in our sufferings. I don't just get up here and say that to you and don't live it and walk it with you. I'm in it with you. Logan is in it with you. Kara is in it with you. If you suffered this year, if you've hit like a wall or a hardship this year, will you just raise your hand? It's basically everyone in here. And those of you that didn't raise your hands, I'm not talking to you after service. (laughs) Did you raise your hand? Okay. It's basically everyone though. And those of you that raised your hands, you're called to rejoice. Not because we're actually happy that we have problems. Not because we're happy that, you know, life is hard and this is happening to us. We're called to rejoice because you know that your problems are giving you something better. First, they're giving you endurance. Shay, hit me with the scripture, please. They're giving you endurance. First of all, just take one moment to just say to yourself, you know what, self, good job. We made it. It was not easy, but we made, we made it to November 29th. It was not easy, but we're here. I want you to be proud for a moment and embrace the fact that you gained some endurance. A little bit tougher than you were at the beginning of this year. A little bit stronger than you were at the beginning of this year. And that's a good thing. Because if you're going anywhere, if you're going to do anything this year or next year, you're going to need endurance. Especially in light of the fact that as Logan pointed out last week, you know you're going to hit more resistance. He said it so clearly last week. He said, expect resistance, but then anticipate that victory on the other side. Know that there's that victory coming. But if you haven't, if you didn't really like let that marinate, go back and listen to that. Expect resistance. Endurance is going to kick in when that that resistance starts to hit. Mm. Going off script for a second. If you are listening to this message at home and you hit a low point this year or you feel like you are running really low on endurance, you know, and that's okay because we all get to that point sometimes, will you please join our virtual prayer room after service? It opens around 11.15. TJ will put the info in our YouTube chat. Maybe you yourself are someone that prays for other people usually, but today you need prayer. Um, Please go in there. It's like a regular Zoom meeting room and then when you go in, we'll assign you with someone and you and that person will pray and, 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 and things will be different. Things will be different. Okay, great. So your problems are producing endurance and your endurance is producing character. Wait, hold on. Let's, let me do that again. So your problems are producing endurance and your endurance is producing character. Um, 
character. People don't value character anymore. You know why? Because we live in a microwave society where we want things to come really quickly, you know? We want everybody to be an AOC, where you're a senator, you know, before you're 30. And no, that's, have no issues with her. But that's not usually the way that things work. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes. Why am I not AOC? Because you got to be developed through some things. You need to develop character. I'm not the same person that I was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, if you had come up to me on the street and you blew too hard, you would have knocked me over. But today, you come up and blow on me. First of all, we're going to have some serious problems because there are germs in the air. But secondly, it just doesn't have that same effect on me anymore because I've been through some things. People have said some crazy things to me, have done some crazy things to me, and I'm still standing. And you're not the same person that you were 10 years ago. Andy, you're not even the same driver that you were 10 years ago, and we know how much you love to drive. He whips around New York City all all the time. But I bet you when he first started driving, he was a little insecure, checking his mirrors all the time, you know, stop, go, stop, go. But now, when you get behind the wheel, you know how to whip that thing because you've driven through snow, you've driven through rain, you've handled truckers on the highway. Now you know some things that you didn't know before and you've been developed, you have character, you've been tested, you're ready for the next thing that's gonna come ahead of you. We don't ignore our problems, but you're not a victim. You're gaining, you're gaining, you're gaining as you're going. I heard it put this way, Christians are not Stoics. We're not supposed to be robots. We're not supposed to come in and pretend that everything is okay when things are really a dumpster fire behind the scenes. Um, I saw this, it said, uh, this is what Christian hope is or this is what it looks like. Christian hope does not ignore fear, anxiety, and doubt. Christian hope confronts them. Christian hope holds steady, clinging to peace in the midst of chaos and through life's many treacherous storms. Christian hope is kept alive by something greater that has happened and something that will happen again. When you will hit problems, when you start to suffer, It is not that you're meant to ignore it, but you need to look through the suffering knowing I'm going to gain endurance and endurance is going to produce character and character is going to produce hope. A hope that is certain about its future glory and a hope that has real confidence in God to help us when we need him. And that hope, I say, I say, I say, I say, I say, that hope will never put you to shame. Do not be embarrassed to put your hope in God. Do not be embarrassed to put your hope in God. He will not fail you. And that is what I wanna end on today. He's not gonna fail you. 
So get your hopes up. We have spent 11 months, 10 months, too many months, being cynical and anxious and commenting on every single thing that happens and wishing things would go back to normal. And I, for one, I'm done. I'm, y'all can have the internet. I'm, I'm done. I'm done being negative. I am going to hope from here on out. I'm gonna let hope affect my outlook. I am going to purposely get up and choose to be hopeful each and every single morning going throughout this Advent season. And let me tell you one of the first places I'm gonna start. You know, next week kicks off this uh, giving series. And I realized that I wasn't really like that excited about it and that I had already been planning my giving from this really stingy place because I think I know what my future holds, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know about the economy and, you know, and jobs and, and whatnot. And so, and then I realized, oh, <laughs> because you placed your hope in the wrong thing, because your hope is misguided and you're not really thinking about God and the future he might have for you and what he has in store for you, you're letting that affect your present. So I'm gonna erase all of that. I know that God has good things for me in the future. He has not failed me yet. And so what I believe is gonna happen to me in the future should be affecting my present. And that's gonna, for me, for me and for my household, we're gonna serve the Lord and we're gonna give expecting him to do more like he's always done. And I want you to do the same not just with your money, but with your projects, with your relationships, your music, your music, Alex, your music, family, Christmas, politics, clothes, college, soccer, Can you start making decisions here and now based on the hope of the glory of God? Be hopeful. Be hopeful. Be hopeful. Let's pray. If you are feeling particularly low this morning um, on hope or need help, um, you can come closer to the front. Lord, we are your people and we submit to you 
And we ask you, Lord, to do for us what you did to Saul on that road to Damascus. Let us encounter you. Let us have our sight of what we think we know is going to happen. Let us, let us have that taken. And would you replace it with something good? Would you replace it with a certainty that you are oh so real and you know us and you know exactly where we're going, you know exactly where we're heading, you see us, you see the effort being made. And then Lord, would you take all that striving and that effort and remind us that it is, it is through our faith, it's through our faith that we're gonna, we're gonna gain It's through our faith that we're gonna have you. Lord, I ask you to take every problem in this room, every problem that's a part of this podcast, every problem for worship leaders or leaders in ministry, take those problems, Lord. Um, Fold them, God, into your ingredients the way that only you can do, Lord. Make them a part of a problem that's only gonna benefit us. Bring the benefit to the forefront, Lord. Bring the benefit to the forefront, God. Thank you for loving us and thank you for refilling us and restoring us with hope in you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.